Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you a recap of the World Championships along with some news and updates through March 26th. And joining us to help us break down an amazing World Championships is Matteo Morelli. You probably have seen Matteo's byline over at IceDance.com. Since 2020, just before the pandemic started, Matteo has been covering many of the international events for IceDance.com. This season, he was at Grand Prix Espa, the Grand Prix Final, the European Championships. Plus, he has covered a lot of events remotely, too, participating in the virtual mix zones and press conferences. And he's conducted a number of one-on-one interviews that you can read over at IDC. There's a lot of those interviews. And the cool thing is, we know that some of the folks that were serving as the commentators for Worlds and other competitions have used these interviews when they're doing their prep. And when Matteo is not writing for IDC, he works in healthcare management for the National Healthcare Service. He also writes articles and does interviews about classical music. Now, Matteo is originally from Italy, but he makes his home in London. And like me, Matteo dreams of being able to go to a Winter Olympics. Maybe 2026, we both can go in Italy. We are excited to welcome Matteo to this week in skating. Hello, thanks for having me. So glad to have you with us. You've been working with me over at IDC for, oh gosh, four years now. Mm-hmm. And it's great for us to be able to connect and have you on the podcast to talk about this incredible event that just took place in Saitama. Exactly. And thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I listen to the podcast very religiously, so it's a pleasure to, to be here with you. <laughs> so great to have you. And yes, this World Championships was amazing i have to just say it um we'll we'll go into it all but it was just a lot of fun to watch um i think every event had something so special about it so i can't wait to hear what you thought of it i know you were busy doing a little remote coverage for idc so i can't wait to hear your thoughts it's pretty incredible that we got to see the audience at this competition being so engaging with the skaters as far as the responses to the performances when not that long ago they were not allowed to 
show any sort of applause or shouting. Japan just recently lifted that, so they were really able to be full-on fans at this competition, and I'm sure that the skaters really appreciated it. Yeah, they were actually sharing quite a lot at press conferences and in the, in the virtual zone and mixed zone. Uh, they were all overwhelmed by the support. Uh, that was unconditional, actually. It was not just for Japanese skaters. It was for every skater that was deserving or uh, feeling the support from the audience. Uh, it was really, really good. Yeah, I liked seeing non-Japanese skaters get standing ovations, too. There were um, a lot of those. Yeah. And just the fl flags. I mean, they had a flag for every country. So it didn't, you know, they weren't just there cheering on the Japanese fans. They were cheering on everybody, which I love. And we were kind of lucky in the U.S. because for the first time this season, I believe, Peacock let us rewatch events within 48 hours. Yes. Thank you, Peacock. Because I think I said last week on the podcast, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to watch Worlds. I was pretty good. I saw quite a bit live, mostly like the early morning stuff. And then I was able to watch, thanks to Peacock, it on, you know, on demand a few hours later. So it was great. So I saw everything because <laughs> um, I know I was nervous with the time difference being so what 13 hours ahead over in japan i was like there's just no way i can pull an all-nighter i gotta go to work i gotta be functional but yeah having <laughs> that knowing that okay if i didn't see this i can watch it a few hours later made a big difference so i'm thankful for peacock and i'm hoping hoping that's going to be something that we won't have to worry about going into the next season that you can only watch something live and it not be yeah. available here on demand. I'm hoping that they get that sorted out because the skating community wants to be able to watch figure skating. When you're not able to, it's impossible to try to grow it when you're running around trying to figure out where you can watch it and when. The general skating fans are not going to do that, and they are the folks that we need in order to grow the sport. If we don't do something soon, we're going to lose any chance to pull those folks in, especially since this was a post-Olympic year, and you do have some capability of pulling some of those fans into the, the following season, but not if they have to go on a scavenger hunt to try to find out where to watch it. Yeah, I know, because I talked to some people at the rink on Friday, and I said something about, oh, the World Championships are on. Oh, they are on? They're on? Where do I watch it? And it was kind of hard to explain to them, well, if you've got Peacock, you can watch it live at this time, but if you don't have Peacock, it's going to be on USA, and it's at this time and that time. It's not easy to explain to people how they can watch a figure skating event. It's like you've got to write write it all down it's like a no novel mm -hmm. you're trying to explain to them yeah where they can go to watch it instead of oh it's on at this time this place bam it would be so much easier and i think we've we've said this all along it's so difficult to watch our sport now and, it, and it's making less and less people tune in yeah i found a chart online and i don't remember who did it so if you were the creator of this amazing chart that basically broke down 
when a competition was starting in Japan and then all the time zones where what time it should be airing live in that country that was really helpful for me to try to plan okay well these are the two nights that I need to do this or I can watch the men but I can't watch the lady you know trying to figure out all of that um it was a little bit difficult but that chart really helped I also saw a lot of posts on social media, people thanking Mark Hanready and Belinda Noonan for their amazing coverage on the ISU live stream. That was something I saw. I can't even, I lost track of the number of times I saw that. I didn't get to see that coverage, but the love was definitely out there for them with what they, they had shared. Mateo, did you watch their coverage? Yeah, I was about to say that that's where I watched the coverage from, and they were phenomenal. They did such a great job. They had very good words for every skater. They did a fantastic research, and I saw people online commenting as well that everyone is extremely pleased with the amount of information that was shared. So they made it very interesting to follow, very factual. They contextualized what was happening. And yeah, a great, great, great job. I wish we could have heard them. I mean, people in the States did hear them if they had a VPN and they were watching it via that way. But I'm a little leery still on the whole VPN thing and I haven't done it yet. And so, um, but yeah, so I was stuck with, you know, Peacock, which was quiet. Or if I did go over to USA, you know, it was Terry, Tara and Johnny who were Mm -hmm. doing the coverage. Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out is Gina and I have always said that when a skater goes to the Olympics, they get a great deal of confidence. But I also think competing at your first world championships can do something very similar. There were a lot of teams and skaters competing at their first worlds. And I'm excited to see how they develop over the summer and see what, you know, what that experience did to help them prepare for next season. Because... I think being especially in Japan with that audience, it has to make you feel good because they were so supportive of everyone. To have about your first worlds in Japan, it's mm-hmm. crazy, you know, incredible um, experience. And I know we heard Christine and Anthony say it's going to, you know, be hard to top, you know, their first worlds, you know, in Japan, their next worlds, are, it's going to be hard to top. But I want to say, too, we heard like there was like sold out crowds and what and, um, you know, almost sold out crowds, you know, for mostly of the of the events next year. And the year after we head to North America for Worlds, Montreal and then Boston. And I'm going to put it out there right now. We need to do the same thing that the Japanese fans do. Mm-hmm. We need to come out in droves and we need to fill both arenas. And I know in 2016 in Boston, we did. I think mm-hmm. some of the events were sold out. We need to do it again. Um, we just can't keep saying that Japan has the greatest fans and, you know, the experience in Japan is the only, you know, the best and whatever. We can do it too. I mean, we've got fans here in North America who are excited to have two um worlds you know back to back so we can get the fans so this is my just call out right now we've got a whole year away but let's let's get excited and and do the same 
uh, feeling and vibe that the skaters got this week in um, Satama. I agree with you, Dina. And I know, too, that our fan base in North America, yes, we do support our North American skaters, but I know there are a ton of fans in this country that also support and enjoy other skaters as well. And I think we need to continue to embrace all the athletes and encourage all of them, especially because we are still coming out of the pandemic. I feel like this season was the first really big step of moving things toward some sort of normalcy. I We can continue to do that. Okay, so man, the World Championships. Let's just jump into the men's event. Uh, Mateo. Oh, what a men's event. <laughs> Mateo, do you have any thoughts on the men's event that that stand out to you? What did you think? Uh, well, it was pretty phenomenal, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> and quite unpredictable, particularly with the three programs. Uh, there were some skates that were absolutely incredible. It was great to see uh, Franz Kavine Moz skating so well, finally, on both segments, actually. But ending in fourth place and that close to medal position after he had a season where he was, he was struggling to find his confidence back after the injury that he had. Uh, that was really amazing. Jason Brown, oh, uh, <laughs> he moved me to tears after his free program. It was so beautiful as usual. And uh, we had Ilya Malinin making history, uh, landing the first quad axle. So that's another thing that will not be um, forgotten about this event and and yeah I think the the top two as well so Jiu Wan Cha was an amazing skate he exceeded his personal best by by a mile everything about it he had a fantastic skate he was so happy he was quite focused and he could build on um this season where he felt that his objective was the world championship so he worked to get to this point and he achieved what he wanted to achieve and then of course Japan's darling Shoma Uno confirming himself world champion again, twice in a row, having a beautiful skate, uh, ending these three programs on the ice down there, like, oh my gosh, I did it. What an effort. <laughs> that was so beautiful to watch. Yeah. Um... I thought there were a lot of emotional reactions, <laughs> both at the end of performances and in the kiss and cry when the mm -hmm. scores came up. I think that was through all the disciplines that there were a lot of excitement and, and tears and um, in the kiss and cry, not just the men. Yeah. I think relieved too, because we're coming off that Olymp first, you know, we have the Olympic season. This is the first season of a new quad. I think that it's sometimes looking ahead at the next four years can be a little bit daunting and, and you think about how grueling it's going to be. The way that these performances ended here, it just felt like there was so much joy and relief and happiness that it just made you cry along with them because they were just so excited and blown away at their scores and their performances and everything that they had just accomplished. Yeah. I'm glad to hear I wasn't the only one crying because it no. started with Jason Brown and it went continued into <laughs> Keegan because, you know, um, even though Keegan's skate wasn't perfect and he had 
the pop axle and the invalid spin, uh, just knowing it, it was his last world championships. I'm like, no, Keegan, no, this is not the end. It's um, been we still have world farewell. team trophy, but I'm like, no. It's been his farewell tour. Very much like Madison and Zach did last year. We knew it was their last season. So from competition to competition, we got, I felt like we said goodbye to them at each competition, like a little piece. And with Keegan, it's been the same way. It's like, oh, oh. And I think he was quite relieved because uh, after the short program, he was sort of apologizing to the audience saying, I cannot have my phone here. I cannot show you my photographs as usual. So his kids photograph, but actually in the free program, he managed to have his phone. We saw both kids. And he was so happy to be able to do that. Of course, the audience loved that. Uh, that yes. was a very, very nice moment. He yeah. loves that. He's been so open about it. And I appreciate that he made the decision that this was going to be his final season. And he's taken us on this journey this season with him. Um, I wish more skaters would do that so that we would have the opportunity to kind of say goodbye to them and enjoy it. I know I've been at competitions before, usually U.S. Nationals, where one of the parents will say, well, this is going to be their last performance today, and it just doesn't give me enough time <laughs> to prepare for it. No. Um, when you watch skaters come up through and you get attached to, you know, all the work that they've been doing and you just support them, it's, you know, it's, it's, we have to say goodbye as well we have to mm -hmm. let go of that yeah and that was the feeling i was having watching jason because jason hasn't said what he's gonna do i mean he kind of surprised us when he after not competing on the grand prix and said hey mm -hmm. i'm gonna compete compete at nationals and you know then he got a world spot um but we just don't know what is going on what, what he's gonna do and jason was one of those skaters that he was one of my first interviews when I started at FSO. So I've watched him kind of come up and through and I'm like, I need time to process when it's going to be <laughs> your last competition. So you better give me a heads up. And so like watching, I don't know it, like if that was his last, um, it, he's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. You know, he hasn't really said so, but yeah, you get attached and, and I do like, the farewell tour. I kind of, mm -hmm. I want that, you know, yeah. as much as it's, no, this is not the last one. Um, it gives me time knowing that, that every competition is that last one and, and you really then get to enjoy it. So. Yeah. We're very much invested, I think. But Gina, last week, we kind of, we didn't goof <laughs> up. I Somehow um, we did not mention Cha in our preview for the world championships yeah i think it was an oversight just on our it part was. that we just kind of you know because his season was a little bit yeah up and down and mm -hmm. i i don't think we thought he was going to come out and do two great stellar skates <laughs> um just amazing skates and so i think we kind of i think we thought he may be in you know a player but we just kind of like forgot um and I think now it's a good omen. I do. For him. 
I'm we're just not bit... gonna mention him in a preview and he's gonna come out and do wonderful i'm a little bit superstitious <laughs> not a lot but a little bit and i when it came up and he had won silver i said to gina we can never mention his name <laughs> in a preview again because this no because that will be his good luck if we do that you know we can't we can't do that we gotta let I'm very happy to see him win the silver here. The potential has always been there, but he hadn't been able to capitalize as much as he did in Saitama. What he achieved at the World Championships is quite remarkable, also considering that he had to change his skates before the Mm -hmm. championship, which is something that normally destabilizes a skater because they have to get into the skates. So considering what he did, and I think it's the second time that he had to do that it's great uh it, it couldn't skate any better really he had to withdraw from worlds last year because of his skates and so what a way to come back and be able to to you know put out those performances but i'm sure in his head he's thinking oh my gosh not my skates again so I'm glad that he was able to get that taken care of. He might want to do that every year just before the <laughs> competitions. Yeah, and we just don't mention his name either, too, and he'll do great. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Um, Gina, what about uh, changes? I mean, the U.S. gets to keep their three spots because Jason Brown and Ilya were both in the top ten. Well, Japan and the U.S. do keep the three spots um, for next year, so that's great. And South Korea, as Daphne just said, gets a third spot. Um, Switzerland will get a second spot, and that's thanks to Lucas Brischke. I mean, he skated pretty well here in um, in Satama, too, and you know he's had a great season, too, after he missed part of it with the injury, and then he came back, and, and Europeans was great for him. Italy, France, and Canada keep two spots. Now Georgia loses a spot. And then everybody else has, I believe, just the one spot. Um, but yeah, so so some interesting things there um, with South Korea getting a third spot and, you know, Japan and the U.S., no surprise, keeping three spots. Um, so yeah. One thing I I want to mention, of course, this was the world's debut for Andrew Torgashev. I think Jason being in the mix, it took a lot of pressure off him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think he just he wasn't expecting worlds. We've we've mentioned that he kept saying it was just his comeback. Nationals was going to be just to show everybody I'm back. And he did not expect that he would have to then go to a smaller competition to make sure he got his minimum so he could go to Worlds. I don't think he figured that out. He, I think he thought he would be, at this time, right now, getting ready for next season. So I think this was just a good opportunity for him to really just get another competition under his belt and just especially the World Championships. So there wasn't a lot of pressure for him to keep you know, to skate well so that the U.S. could keep the three spots. You know, with Ilya and Jason, he just kind of could go out there and, and do his job, just skate well and, and mm-hmm. enjoy the experience. Hopefully he can take the confidence of being at Worlds with him into next season. But let's transition over to the women. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it was a little bit the short program. I mean, Kari Sakamoto had the lead, the five point lead, but then you looked at second, third, and fourth. It was really, really it close. Was. Oh my gosh, less than a point. So I knew things were going to switch up in the free skate, definitely. Yeah. It was cool to see her go back to back, though, and win her second consecutive world title. Especially because her season has been a little up and down. She and my Mahara have been going back and forth with their placements. So it was cool to see her kind of rise to the occasion. She was very celebrated by the Japanese fans. Yeah. Um, the only one thing I'm going to say is I wish she had skated. I mean, she had the mistake on the triple flip. And I wish she had skated clean, completely clean, that she knew she won. Because at the end, you could see her, like, upset and crying and... And, like, you know, the fans are all happy and cheering. And I just wanted her to have that moment, like, that she knew she won while she was still on the ice. And she did it. It took her to go to the kiss and cry for the scores to be read, for those tears to go from sadness to happy. Um, I just wish, and I'll say this with the pairs, too, the same sort of reaction. Their programs weren't you know, completely clean that they thought, okay, we got it. We won it. It was in the bag because then the moment on the ice with the fans would have been much more sweeter. And it wasn't for both Kauri and Riku and Ryuchi. Um, so that was my little disappointment was I was like, Oh, you know, skate clean so that you can have that incredible moment. And it was more of like, Oh, did we do enough? Did I make a mistake? Did I, you know, could I have pulled it, you know, and, and still won, so. That's something that Kauri actually shared at the press conference. So she said that getting into the free program in particular, she had that fear of making the same mistake that she made four years ago, which she ended up making again, <laughs> funny enough. <laughs> so she, she said that she wanted to finish her skate with a big smile on her face, but she couldn't. I think managed emotions in the same in in the way that she was hoping to be able to do. However, I think that that's where the experience comes in. So she's a strong skater, and despite of something that big that is in her mind, she managed to get out there, skate the entire program. So what we saw at the end was the pressure and attention being released. And luckily, as you said, when she went on the kiss and cry, and she realized that she was the world champion again for the second year in a row, then we saw the Kaori that we all know, the funny, playful Kaori that was uh, being very smiley, making all the faces that she's able to do, and that was a joy to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, again, nice to see her have um, that reaction, you know, that she did it, and and she joins an elite group of uh, only four well, only three other women have won back-to-back titles. Yevgenia Mavedova, Michelle Kwan, and Christy Yamaguchi, and now Kaori Sakamoto. Um, but yeah, I wish it was just on the ice with, you know, everybody standing and everybody, you know, cheering. And her just, you know, the Kaori that we know, the smiley, happy, instead of the crying, oh no, was was it enough sort of thing. There were lots of tears at this competition for so many different reasons. (laughs) One thing that I thought was special is we've been kind of waiting since Yuna Kim burst onto the scene and then retired 
for the Korean women to really like emerge. And I think it's starting to happen, especially with Hai and Lee. Um, she won the free skate, which is fantastic, and won the silver medal as well. I think the sky's the limit for her. I don't think we've even seen the... She's not even tapping into the potential yet. I think there's so much opportunity for her to really step onto the top spot. And she's come a long way since the fall season because I don't think I would have thought to that she could win a medal at Worlds based on her Grand Prix season. Um, and then here she comes, four continents, and now Worlds. So her she peaked at the right time. Her second half of the season was much better than how she started the season in the fall. Yeah, yeah she said that the... She said that the Four Continents gold medal helped her find the confidence to get into the World Championship, and clearly that was palpable when she she was skating at this competition. So Luna Hendricks, who's also had kind of an up-and-down season, was in fifth place after the short program. She moved up to get the bronze medal, which is her second consecutive medal at Worlds. That was great to see, because she had had some struggles this season off and on in I don't think she had been skating really her best or putting out her best performances, not the ones that we know that she's capable of delivering. And so this has to be a big confidence boost for her to step back onto the podium. Yeah, she said that she was feeling the pressure coming into this season of carrying that silver world medal with her. And that was definitely visible because if you if we think about the Grand Prix season that she had this year, uh, I remember in Finland, she was extremely disappointed with the skates that she put together, although it was not bad, but it was not what she is capable of. And she knew that at the European mm -hmm. Championship as well, she got in as the favorites to win the, the title. She didn't, and she was very frustrated about it. But hopefully she managed to come to this competition finding the strength, the strength that she has. And she said that what she wants to take away from the World Championships is that enjoyment of competing she wants to make sure that the next season she enjoys competing rather than getting stressed uh, and anxious about what she has to face yeah i think they have to find any skater has to find that balance of loving the competition and battling the anxiety of the nerves that go along with it and being able to get in the zone so that they can just go out and and perform their best without having those reservations um, it was great to see her back on the podium. And then in the U.S., uh, Isabel Levito, let's talk about the fact this is her first world championships. She, of course, won junior worlds last year. This, from what I understand, she was disappointed in not being able to get a medal. But to be fourth in your first world is pretty amazing. Yeah. Especially since, you know, she withdrew from four continents and because there she was in medal position there. Um, but I, you know, I think this is, she skated really well. I mean, I know she was upset about missing the triple Lutz in the free skate of her triple Lutz, triple loop combination. But I mean, to, yeah, finish fourth in your first world's um, really good. I mean, it's impressive. and 
I know there was some talk because she did miss a practice session mm-hmm. and people were wondering where she was. And I guess, it, you know, her team felt that she just needed to relax and she didn't need that practice session. But I know there was a lot of uh, media wondering what was going on and what was the thought behind that about her missing that practice session. But, you know, I mean, she, I thought she skated well all weekend, you know, in Satama. And I think now she sets herself up for to obviously defend her title in the U.S. And then to, I mean, go on in next season and, you know, hopefully make the Grand Prix final again. And, and you know, she's a top skater, you know, internationally. So I, I don't think she should be disappointed with fourth. We know fourth has been great uh, at Worlds for Karen Chen. I mean, that was her. She was finished fourth and was able to help, you know, keep three spots for the U.S. women a couple of times. Unfortunately, that didn't happen here um, because um, Amber Glenn and Brady Tunnell both did not finish to get us to keep three spots. So. Unfortunately, the U.S. loses a spot for the women. Um, but yeah, I you know I thought uh, Isabeau skated great. I also thought Amber and Brady didn't do too bad either. I mean, I know, and I we haven't said this yet. The tech panel was tough. Lots of under rotations were being called, and they were very they were like really. <laughs> watching um and i think that's where um some of the skaters might have been disappointed because they saw their um results be a little lower than what they expected particularly with a skater like ready to we know that she's extremely experienced and she is coming back basically she's relocated to france so i'm keeping my fingers crossed that she got the strength to to see that she's still there that she's still competition material and she will come back as strong as she was before, if not stronger than before. Uh, she's a beautiful skater, and she's got all it takes to for, for her to to show that again. And I was, I think Amber Glenn's triple axel was pretty close. Um, it was really close, and one of these days she is just gonna nail it in competition. And I want her to just let out the biggest roar possible because she, you just know how much she's been working on it and how close she's been in. Yeah, and hopefully very soon she's going to nail that triple axel. Well, and Amber is another one that thought her season was going to be over after Nationals. And then she skated so well that she was sent to to Worlds. So, again, I guess when you're used to not competing past January, it it does take some adjustment to be able to move forward. Just very much like the junior skaters who move up to senior who are used to going to junior worlds have to adjust to either not going to junior worlds and not making a world team or potentially making a world team. So their season may end like at their nationals versus a big ISU competition. It's an adjustment, I think, for everybody. Well, I think before we wrap up the women, uh, we should mention that my Mahara was a victim of the under-rotation calls. Uh, she dropped to fifth after the short. Yeah, I was. I that was the unfortunate with the women's event because um, I really would 
have loved for her to medal at Worlds here in front of the home crowd. Um, yeah, and she was in that position after the short program. And um, yeah, I feel exactly the same about it. And she she actually shared that her legs were shaking before <laughs> getting into the competition. So I, I suppose that although she had a fantastic reason, a season, sorry, uh, she yeah the pressure of competing in front of the home audience was yeah too much and then finally Che on kim of korea had the third best free skate which helped her move up from 12th to 6th place so there was some movement within those placements so let's move on to the history making pairs event oh yes everybody was making history everybody yes <laughs> well you know Mateo, what did you think of the pairs event? Well, it was a beautiful event, wasn't it? We had a lot of really good skates. And personally, I am very happy for Sarah Conti and Nicolomachi to have earned the first ever medal for Italy in the pairs event. They had a fantastic season. They they were, at the start of the season, they were surprised to have two Grand Prix assignments. And now here they are with a bronze world mm-hmm. medal. Uh, <laughs> a Grand Prix final, bronze medal, <laughs> European champions. They had an amazing season, and that's bringing up the Italian pairs um, skating, which is they have a lot of teams. Sort of will have two spots next season. Uh, they have Rebecca Gilardi and Filippo Ambrosini, which are extremely strong and experienced skaters. They have Matteo Guariza, which is back after having competed several years with Nicole de la Monica. He's now skating with Lucrezia Beccari from that switch from singles pairs. So it's very exciting to see what the Italian pairs um, teams will do next season and that internal battle to get these two spots. Um, I think Alexa, Kinerian and Brandon Fraser were, uh, they probably had a lot of pressure that they had to deal with. And we know that unfortunately they are dealing with the set situation that happened with their coach. So it's something that we should find. But um, they shared that they were extremely happy with what they managed to do to get back on the podium and to be able to cope with the pressure and deliver what they delivered given the circumstances that they came into the World Championship uh, with. And yeah, we mentioned um, Riko Miura and Ryuchi Mihara. They, <laughs> they had... Uh, I think they had probably the sweetest reaction after the short program at a uh, kiss and cry when their scores came up before everyone could see them. Enrique could not hold the excitement and she started to stand up and scream. But after the free program, I think they, as, as we said before, they they were very worried. Rico in particular was in tears and she, I don't think that she realized that she she had the cycle there. So that was quite emotional to see, but I'm very happy for them. They had a very strong season and yeah, they came back after a silver medal last year to, to win gold this year, which is great. Well, I was going to say too, going back to Italy, Nicole Della Monica, people might've saw her. She was, I believe, team leader and she was in the kiss and cry with uh, the Italian skaters. So it was nice to see her taking on her new role. Um, And I'm sure she was elated with the fact that uh, Sarah and Niccolo won Italy's uh, first world medal in pairs and now have the second spot. So that way we can send, you know, Italy can send another team um, because that was one thing I kept saying all along in the beginning is 
the Italian Paris teams, they're really got there's some depth there and one spot is only going to, you know, one team can go. So um so that was great there and one thing I uh, going with Alexa and Brandon, uh Brandon mentioned about them not having some tough practices. So seeing them come out and just being able, I know the whole situation with Todd weighing so much on them um, and just coming out and delivering programs that he would be totally proud of and dedicating them to Todd. That was great. I mean, it was really, it was a good pairs event. I have to say it's hard to think about. I feel like pairs happened a while ago because it was yeah. the first two days and then they were done and, and dance hadn't even started yet. Yeah, the way that the World Championship schedule goes, it's really interesting to me that the single skaters seem to get a day in between, and the dancers and pairs just have to go. I think that's hard sometimes, um, because both disciplines have just gotten so much more technical and intricate, and I think they just maybe need to rethink how it's put together. You know, in my opinion, I did um, want to point out that Alexa and Brandon, they were the first team to win consecutive medals at World since their coaches did in 1995 and 96. Well, one person I wish, well, I should say team, but I'm talking about Deanna Stiletto, Dudek, and Maxim Deschamps. I wanted them on the podium, too. I kind of was like, can we give a fourth place? There's not enough room. <laughs> can we give a pewter here at Worlds? Because I really, you know, just her story and everybody knows her story. And just, you know, I just wanted her to win a Worlds medal. Um, and I think she would have, I don't know, but I think she would have been the oldest um, in yes. the Paris field to she win a World have. medal. And that would have been great. That, it may still happen in the future. Given the yeah. season they just had, I think that the confidence and encouragement from skating at their first Worlds and finishing in fourth that can really, they could use that to drive them going forward. Right. Because they're not done yet, so. Nope. Um, but yeah, I was, I just, that was one. Um, but speaking about Canada, too, I was really impressed with Leah Pereira and Trent Machat. Um, We, you know, new team, first world championships, sixth place. Um, yeah. It was amazing. And I'm really excited to see how this team grows and evolves. Um, I think they're going to be a top team for Canada for sure. Well, and not to be ignored, Emily Chan and Spencer Howe in their first Worlds finished fifth. It's a fantastic finish for a first World Championships. Um, they have been coming along for the last two seasons. This year in particular, making it to the Grand Prix Final doing so well at their Grand Prix events, doing great at uh, Four Continents. They've just been building all year, and I'm looking forward to what next season holds for them. Mm-hmm. Especially since we don't know what Alexa and Brandon plan to do. Um, I think Emily and Spencer will definitely um, take the lead um, after Alexa and Brandon, you know, are 
done when you know when they decide it's time to uh, move on i think emily and spencer are definitely going to carry u.s pairs going forward yeah so gina what does that look like with spots for next worlds so japan canada and the u.s do keep their three spots um japan didn't use its two spots um this season could they use them next year? You know, I think Riku and Ryuchi have definitely, you know, opened the door for uh, pairs in Japan and definitely are, you know, carrying the torch there. So hopefully we will see, you know, Japan with some more pairs teams coming out. Um, Italy, as we've mentioned, will get the two spots now and Hungary and Australia get two spots and Germany keeps two spots. I think that Riku and Ryuchi have the potential to do for Japanese pairs what we saw from Shen and Zhao and what they did for Chinese pairs. When they came along, there really wasn't wasn't a lot, but then they burst onto the scene and they worked their way up. Of course, finally being Olympic champions is pretty incredible. And I hope that we see the same going on in Japan. We've already seen um, what the prior teams and successes have done for pairs in Italy. So I think that that I expect that we'll see that continuing there. So let's move on to dance. <laughs> you know, I've been waiting. I know you have. <laughs> that was quite a competition as well, wasn't it? 33. <laughs> <laughs> yes it was you know 33 dance teams it was so hard when i was watching the rhythm dance watching those performances and realizing how many teams that were skating so well were not going to get the opportunity to make the cutoff this is something i didn't say in pairs because i was saving it to to mention it here but it also applies to pairs i think it's time that we increase the counts again I understand they did it for whatever reason before. They didn't feel like the level of skating was up. At least that was one of the reasons used. And then financial and others, other listed ideas. Honestly, it's time. I mean, when it comes down to it, the difference between 20th and 21st was 0 0.07. None of those teams that were in that group of the other 13 were bad teams. They were all decent teams. And there should be an opportunity for more teams to make the final. Uh, I, I think in pairs and in ice dance, I think it's time. If we want to continue to encourage the growth in the sport, we need to make more opportunities. And in pairs, there were only three teams that didn't yeah. make the final like let yeah. them yeah come on um and dance had the most that mm -hmm. you know couldn't make the final even more than the singles yeah so i think we need to yeah revisit that and if you're gonna allow 24 singles i think it's time that they increase it back up to they can do it if they want to do it by a full flight then you do 24 for pairs and 25 for dance it's simple there were great teams that didn't get to skate. And someone may argue, well, they weren't at the top, so it doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter. Because 
everyone has a different goal in this sport. Sometimes it's every, of course people want to win, but sometimes the goal is, well, I'd like to be in the top 10 or I'd like to be in the top five, want to qualify for the free dance. Don't ever underestimate what reaching one of these smaller goals can do for a skater because it can really give them the confidence to push harder and continue and improve. The teams that you're seeing and the skaters that you're seeing at the top started at the bottom. It is not something that you just, especially in dance, you automatically are in the top three, unless you're like the Shibatanis from 2011. Like you, you don't usually get into the top three. It takes time. And in order to do that, you have to have more confidence. You have to have something to continue to push you. And even in this, in this competition, and I know I haven't mentioned, you know, who was at the top or anything. I wanted to point out some things though. Um, there were teams that were qualifying for the free dance in their first worlds, or they qualified in their second worlds. Like the Germans, um, Jans van Rensburg and Stefan, this was their first worlds. They qualified for the free dance. That was a huge accomplishment. Um, Igniteva and Zemko, they were 22nd last year. They made it into the top 20 this year. The Ukrainians, uh, this was their first worlds. The Twins from Israel, Maria and Mikhail, first worlds, made it into the top. Victoria Manny and Carla Roethlisberger actually competed for Switzerland at their first worlds back, I think, in 2019. They didn't qualify for the free dance. Now they're skating for Italy. They've made it into the top 20. Uh, Luisia de Moget and Theo Le Mercier, their first worlds. And then both of the American teams um, Green and Parsons and Carrera and Ponomarenko, this was their first world championships. Green and Parsons, I think, was the highest debut out of all the new teams, finishing sixth, sixth, which was right outside the top five, obviously. Um, and as we mentioned, competing at worlds like the Olympics can give you some confidence. I just want to make the case that it's time to do that again. I understand that world championships is supposed to be for the best of the best, but I also think that they cut it down for reasons a few years ago. Well, they need to increase it back for reasons. The level of skating has continued to grow. It's time. Um, and then one other thing I want to point out before we start talking about the top five is the resilience of Celine Mazinge, Marco Gaidenko. Estonia, the fact that they were even competing at this competition in the first place was a major miracle considering her injuries that kept her out of skating for all of the season. They did not qualify for the free dance, but I think they made a huge statement. What you can do when you follow your doctor's advice and you come back to skating at on that schedule versus hurrying back they may not have made it to the free dance but they at least have put a footprint there saying you know what we we missed most of the season we're here anyway this will start us for next year it was important just to skip. it was very inspirational she admitted that she wanted to do it because she loves the sport, but also because she wants to inspire and encourage other skaters that if something happens, it's not the end. 
and her being there with Marco was mm -hmm. incredible. And uh, the reactions online as well, I've seen a lot of positive comments. Uh, everyone was talking about them being there. I've seen comments of skaters saying, actually, she's making me rethink my career because I had an injury and I was thinking of quitting, but she's very inspiring and I might try to come back and see what I can mm -hmm. do. So big applause to, to both of them and to her in particular for having pushed herself to, to get to where she got to. Yeah, it, w it was so inspirational. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just still very fluid that she was able to do it. And I don't think she, they announced they were coming to like a couple of days before. So it was a huge yes. surprise. Um, so yeah, so very, very happy about that. But let's kind of get into the top five, um, or, and beyond a little bit. There's, there's a little bit to talk about. So for the top five five teams this is something i noticed there was just such a level of maturity in their performances and then i just and i realized they're all in their early 30s like the the age barrier that there used to be where people would retire by 28 29 has kind of been removed and we're seeing dancers compete longer um it is also happening in pair skating but I don't know if it's the physical demands on the body are not as intense as maybe they are in some of the other disciplines or if people just love ice dance and want to continue. I don't blame them because I love it too. <laughs> I don't do it, but I do take photos, you know, that's my contribution. <laughs> so, um, uh, Mateo, did you have any thoughts on the dance event since you covered it for us at icedance.com? Uh, well, it was, I always love to get to the world championships because you follow all the skaters for the entire year. Well, in every category, but of course the focus for me is ice dance. So it was great to see a lot of personal bests, a lot of incredible skates being delivered. Um, so looking at the top five, we had Lorenz Fournier, Baudry and Nikolai Sorensen skating really well they probably had the best free program that they delivered this year they were in a great shape they looked flawless they were very happy with their results and they concluded the, the world championship in a great place and i'm pretty sure that not knowing what piper keels and paul Poirier will do next year if they were to quiz definitely um laurence and nicolai are there to to take the lead for for team canada in fourth place, we had uh, Lila Fear and Louis G uh, Gibson of Great Britain. Extremely catchy, uh, catchy programs, as usual. Uh, they're born this way. Lady Gaga in the free dance made all, everyone in the audience stand up, clap with them. They had a standing ovation. And it's the highest place, uh, placement for Great Britain, I think, in the last 39 years, if I'm not wrong. So it's a great success. And I'm pretty sure that we will see more from them in the future. So in bronze medal position, we have um, Piper Gills and Paul Poirier. So they came back after three months off the ice because uh, Piper had to have a, um, a surgery after the Grand Prix final where they won the gold medal. And it's interesting to see that they had the first half of the season winning everything and having the highest scores even leading to this competition. But probably they 
sort of paid price to have to miss nationals, to have to miss four continents. They still came here in a very strong shape, but probably not strong enough to be able to deal with the competition that was out there that uh, still allowed them to win a medal, but maybe not the medal that they wanted. Um, in second place, Charlene Guignard and Marco Fabri of Italy, super experienced team. They had, again, uh, a beautiful season. They finally became European champions, which is something that they always wanted to do. And this world medal means a lot for them. I think that they, they it took a little while, if you look at Kiss and Cry, to realize that they were actually a silver medal. I think that they, <laughs> they probably couldn't believe that they were getting that medal in that exact moment. But they, they had a very strong season. They're very technical as a team, and that came out again in this competition. And finally, Madison Chuck and Evan Bade have the gold medal that they had been hoping for for all of their career, isn't it? They were so <laughs> happy, and we had a little drama they in the have. ski program because halfway through the uh, program, Madison fed on the ice in between elements, and we all probably felt, oh my gosh, no, not again. Like what happened at the Olympic Games in 2018, we all thought, no, 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 please don't do it. It's your moment. <laughs> and luckily, <laughs> that when the score came up, yeah, I think that they were, yeah, surprised yeah. but super it happy. Yeah, it wasn't on an element. In it between. was kind of in between the spin yeah. and then going into the next one. Because I saw some comments on Twitter saying, "Well, they fell. How does this happen?" It's not a question of the fall. It it's when the fall happened. Had they fallen on the spin? That would have been disastrous. Yeah. She had a little, tr like, a fall right after the spin, and she was back up very quickly, and they continued to go. It's recovery as well as uh, when you're you're falling. Yeah, and it was quick that I, when I was watching it, okay, so dance I was watching on demand. I did not watch it live. Um, I was watching it and I had to go back and like, wait, did she fall? Let me go back. And I rewind it back and, and yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, she did fall. It was just so quick that I didn't even, you know, it didn't like, I didn't have the, oh, I just was like, wait, did, did I just see what I saw? She fall? And I had to go back and watch it. But yeah, I didn't, when I was watching the technical box and I noticed that the GOE was still positive, I knew that it was not on an element that they would just get the, you know, minus one deduction. Um, but yeah, I did kind of was like, oh, okay. Um, hopefully, you know, knew that they were still probably going to win um, the gold. And I, and I know probably someone's very happy about that. One of our listeners, uh, Jennifer yes. Como, who has followed <laughs> them is. since they were with their former partners. Yeah. Um, I know she is elated um, that they got their world title, and it is the first world title for the U.S. in a decade since Marilyn and Charlie in 2013. So, And I think it's very interesting. So at the press conference, Evan Bates shares a sort of a metaphor. Um, he, Sorry, Madison, actually. She said, the fall during this program and the way we deliver it, it's a sort of a reflection of our career. So the resilience that we have to put in, the perseverance to believe in our dreams and to finally make it happen. And as you rightly said, Daphne, the, the three top team, it's the first podium where every single skater is 30 plus years old. And 
each one of those mm -hmm. teams, they have 10 plus uh, 12, actually, I think, years of experience. They've been to um, Madison Evan and Piper and Paul, they've been to 10 world championships. Well, you know, uh, Charlene and Marco, 11 world championships. They've been to at least two uh, Olympic Games. They are super experienced teams. So it's great to see that they're finally getting their moment uh, because they were always behind someone else that <laughs> was stronger than them before. Yeah. Waiting. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. waiting. It, yeah. was, it was difficult. And I think, too, for Madison and Evan, they could have discarded this free program at the start of the season when it wasn't as well received at Skate America as they had hoped. But they believed in it and they continued to allow it to evolve over the season so that it would become what we saw at the World Championships. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I think it's very gutsy to do it. Um, but it's also, you know, it showcases the adaptability that teams have to have when it comes to programs like this, because you do have to make that decision. Do I give up on this or do I, do I stick with it and allow it to tell a story with the story evolving as we go mm. instead? Um, I think Charlene's reaction in the kiss and cry was one that really affected me a lot. Again, the shock of realizing that they were, it was the silver medal and not the bronze. Um, I think that realization, it did take her some time, but I remember when we did our preview for worlds, we mentioned them and I said, you can never count them out because one, they are super consistent. And two, they're, they're really brilliant technicians. And I think that gets overlooked because there is this sense of bias in ice dance towards teams that are of similar height. I think there's always been this standard that, well, the girl has to be, you know, six inches shorter than the boy. And if they're too close in height, you can't see, you, you really can't um, really appreciate the program or the performance. And going back to Denkova and Stavisky, who were a team from Bulgaria that also were very similar in height, and I also appreciated for what they brought to the table, I think Charlene and Marco, they're committed to themselves and the performances, and that technical prowess really showed. When I watch them, I'm not worried that they're going to fall. I'm not worried that there's going to be a mistake. Not, I, I'm just not. Because I, I feel like their coach is such a taskmaster and has really prepared them for whatever could they could face out on the ice. Yeah, and they have a rep the reputation of being extremely hard workers. There are a lot of young teams that are looking at mm -hmm. them as well as the other medalists on the podium as an example of... Um, what an ice dancer and a skater should be doing to to reach those levels. It's not luck, mm -hmm. it's hard work, getting there, making it happen every day, mm -hmm. believing in it. Yeah, it, and it's a journey. Some teams are like lightning in a bottle. They can achieve results quicker, but then there are teams that have to completely grind to get there. And it makes reaching that pinnacle even more enjoyable because they know everything that they put into it. And that's one of the things I love about ice dance is that you just, 
the more things change, the more they're the same. But in Ice Dance, it's really just, you can break through at any time with the right person. Yeah, and particularly the top three teams, they, so the Saitama hosted the World Championship twice before over the last 10 years. And those top three teams were the only three teams across every Ice Dance team that competed at this World Championship that went to the other two events in Saitama before. So it's very interesting to see that they still believed in their dream. And the third time is the, the lucky time for, mm -hmm. for all of them. Uh, so, yeah, we are yeah. very happy that it happened. Yeah. After the rhythm dance, um, the difference is what I noticed, because I did take a, a look at the protocols, differences between first and third came down to like step sequences, like the midline steps and the partial steps. Like that's where the biggest differences were on levels and GOEs. And so that um, that was a technical way of looking at what the differences are. Um, I also wanted to point out a couple of other performances that we, you know, going a little beyond the top five. So Julia and Matthias of Finland, their performance was lovely. She lost, they lost some levels on the twizzles and that, is what it's come to in Ice Dance. You can't even have a bobble. You've got to be your best because they dropped down on that, because of that placements, they actually dropped below the Tashlers, um, which it's great to see two things that I noticed, having Lila Fear and Lewis Gibson from Great Britain, they've earned the two spots again for Great Britain next year, which is, Fantastic, because they've got another team that's coming in. Uh, Phoebe Becker, James Hernandez, who were fourth at the World Junior Championships. And then for the Tashlers, getting two spots for Czech Republic next year because they have Moraskova and Moracek, who are coming in uh, to the senior ranks. So there were 33 teams this year. I ha I think we could be even more next year if most of these, if these teams stay in, plus with the additional spots earned by these countries we could see more than 35 teams next year so you know we'll see um one other thing the audience reaction to kenna Murmoto, daisuke takahashi okay we have to talk about how incredible he is now as a dancer like going from singles to being ice dance i wish he had started it sooner because mm -hmm. i think I mean, I'm not sure how long he's going to stay in it because he's 37, but they have accomplished a lot. I mean, 11th, I was hoping for them to maybe break into the top 10 so they could get two spots for Japan. Um, but it was, it was fantastic to see uh, that result for them and also to, to see the crowd's reaction at home. I mean, Takahashi's used to that from his singles days, so... This had to be a little bit different. So I have to share a fun story here. Um, so when I was watching the free dance on Friday, it was 11.30 p.m. here East Coast, and I you know, was watching in bed, probably the mistake, and I fell asleep. And I woke up, and all of a sudden I'm hearing Phantom of the Opera. And I look, and I'm like, Ah, it's Kana and Dice K skating to Phantom of the Opera. Perfect. Woke up and watched that program. 
um, and got to see them have their moment in front of the Japanese crowd. And so I was, I don't know, I guess my body had told me you are not missing that program because you <laughs> enjoyed seeing it so much at Skate America, you were going to see it live. Um, and so I did watch it. And then that was the only thing. It, uh, I think I would have stayed awake a little bit longer if it wasn't for the fact that we were then, as soon as they were finished, going to an ice resurfacing. So I was like, no. 15 minutes. I don't think I can stay awake for another 15 minutes. But yeah, um, I think his personality has come more alive as a ice dancer, Dice K. I just, I don't remember him just being so, I, you know, I mean, he was happy as a single skater. I'm not saying he wasn't, but he just seems to just really enjoy ice dance. And it's so mm-hmm. contagious because watching him, you just get so excited and happy for them so i was glad they had a moment yeah i wish they had you know made it into the top 10 um so that japan could have gotten two spots because we know there are two teams um in japan but uh hopefully we'll continue to see kana and dice k you know um if if deanna can keep going at 39 (laughs) in pairs dice k can keep on going and dance at 37 so um I think they can push each other to see who can go the furthest and the longest. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed that. And I I enjoyed the dance event. This was one that I had to watch on demand because of the timing. Um, but uh, I'm glad I enjoyed it or was able to watch it on demand because I did go back and watch some of the dances again, like Piper and Paul's Evita. I just felt like we didn't get to see enough of it. And I really liked that program for them this season. So I did watch that like twice. Um, but, you know, I again, thanks to Peacock for making it available for, you know, two days after the event. Because yeah. it was able, you know, if you didn't get to catch it live, you were able to still watch it. Um, or you could just go back and relive programs and in, in moments that you enjoyed. So I definitely appreciated Peacock allowing us to do that because we haven't had it this season. I really wish that that, as we talked about, it's really important to get this figured out so that people can find skating. The uh, last performance I wanted to call out was um, Allison Reed and Solias and Brulevicius. I love this program because it's like I'm going clubbing with them, and that's what I get. You know, I feel like I'm getting pulled into you know, a a rave experience. And I like that because it's something different. It's not a classical piece. It's just fun to me. It's a lot of energy. It's cool. They have a good connection. So I was really happy um, to see their placement. I remember when they were finishing 20th at Worlds, which tells you that hard work, perseverance, it does pay off in the long run. So the the only questions we have for next season are, uh, will the top three come back or not? That's not answered. And also, will Gabrielle Papadakis and Guillaume Cicerone come back? Or are they happy with their life the way, you know, they're living it now? I know Guillaume has done a lot of choreography. He seems to really be excited and thrilled with that opportunity yeah and i feel like it's very important to know whether they're coming back or not because i feel that if they're coming back then some teams will take a decision according to them coming back now it's not a given thing that it will come yes. back 
super strong. But we assume that given their shape having been perfect for the last few years, they will be yeah. equally competitive. But um, we'll see. And even for the top three at these events, they didn't share anything at press conference after the three programs, of course. They said that it's something that they have to think about. They will have the uh, world team trophy to go to. They will have different shows or taking a break here and there. But have not decided what they want to do. And um, some of those teams have got quite a lot to think about. So, for instance, Charlotte and Marco, they have the Olympic Games in Italy in 2026. They are the oldest team out there, but they said every year they're going to see how they feel physically and mentally and take it from there. And even Madison Chuck and Evan Bates, as we said before, the World Championship is going to be in Montreal next year, which is where they train. And the year after is going to be in Boston. So they have quite a lot to think about, but they also got engaged. So they might want to yeah. get married. What will they do? <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I want to point out is we know that next season, the 80s is going to be the rhythm dance theme. Out of all the teams that will be bringing that to life, I think the team I'm most looking forward to is Lila and Lewis because I feel like they will embrace whatever it is and tell a story. As far as spots, we've talked a little bit about it already. So Canada is getting its third dance spot back, thank goodness, because I think Marjorie I mentioned this before. Zach. <laughs> Marjorie and Zach not being at this competition was kind of a little travesty. Uh, France will go down to two. Again, the two the team that finished twenty first was from France, and they're so good. Dupayage and Nabe have had a great season. They won the um, university games. Like, yeah, it's very disappointing. Um, Finland and Czech Republic are each going to gain a spot. Great Britain already had an extra spot; they just didn't use it. Lithuania did have an extra spot they will keep their uh second spot and then all everyone else will have one i'm excited because finland uh has another dance team that's so much fun to watch with yuko and juho so so we'll see uh where we go and so before we move on to general skating news i thought we might mention um this was our second world championships without the competitors from Russia and Belarus. However, we did see some of the coaches from Russia at this competition. Um, that seemed to draw a lot of frustration and anger from fans who don't believe that they should be allowed at these competitions. What are you guys thinking? Um... I'm with probably a majority of fans and um, some skaters, because I saw some skaters comment about it too, that if the Russian skaters are not allowed to compete, I don't think the Russian coaches should be there as well. Um, and if it isn't, you know, a skater who is training in Russia with a Russian coach, but is not competing for Russia, um, I think then they need to have someone go you know, be their coach. Somebody else needs to go to the event with them that is not Russian. I, I don't, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that we don't, we're not letting the Russian skaters compete, but we're letting the coaches come in. I, I don't, it's, it's the country's banned 
So it should apply yeah. to everyone, is my thoughts. Well, because it's officials, too. It's not just... It's not just the skaters, it's the officials that are also banned from competition. Yeah, and having the coaches there creates a link and a tie with Russia. And that, as we said, it sh shouldn't be there. So they, they definitely need to think about it and the implications of that. Yeah, and even beyond the banning and the war, there's this doping situation that took place at the Olympics. And one and the coach, let's just, you know, call it out, Atiri was at this competition. That I mean, she's it was her skater that was caught for doping. And there's just there's a lot of friction. I think it might have been better if they had made alternative arrangements. Yeah, and I think we as we know there are still skaters that were at this competition as well that are waiting for a medal. To be assigned to to be for them, that's yes. Yeah, that's, talked to uh, a that few was not very <laughs> respectful, I think, in a way. But we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we have covered worlds really, really well. I'm excited for next season, but kind of happy that this season is drawing to a close. There are just a couple of competitions left. We have World Synchros that takes place this week which we'll talk about in a second, and then the World Team Trophy in a couple of weeks. And then that will put the cap on the 2022-23 season, although the 23-24 season is already gearing up and rearing its head, so there's not really any downtime in this sport anymore. Nope. And I feel this season just went by so fast. I don't know... What it is, maybe again, we've mentioned because we have the podcast every week, we're counting down sort of. Yeah. And having to, you know, prepare for each episode, but it just went by really fast. And before we know it, it's going to be 2026. It's just, it's, I think that happens every year. It just goes by so quickly. But now it we're, does. you know, getting ready to look into year two um, of the, of this new quad. Well, and two, we were kind of disrupted by the pandemic, and now that we're coming out of that phase, even though it's still around, I feel like we are, you know, you look back to what we were going through during that time where there were really no competitions, and that seems so long ago now. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like, you know, for the 2018, or the 2022 Olympics, those four years between 2018 and 2022 went by so quickly because mm -hmm. we didn't have so many right. competitions. I just remember leaving Greensboro in 2020 and thinking, oh, yeah, we still have two years to the 2022 Olympics. And it went really quickly yeah. because we had, you know, limited seasons, those, you know, two seasons yeah. afterwards. And those were two years of... Of, of madness, really, while we were waiting for that. Um, the competition schedule was so all over the place, and it was really just putting Band-Aids on situations and trying to make it so that things could happen. And the fact that they were able to hold the competition at all in Beijing was a miracle. 
which I think is a great, mentioning Beijing, is a great segue into our uh, general <laughs> skating news where we talk about next year's Grand Prix series, <laughs> which will be here before we know it. <laughs> I think yeah. Mateo is all ready for I that. He's excited for it already. <laughs> Even though we've all said we need a break, um, I think when you start thinking about uh, Grand Prix season, it just gets exciting because then you know, like in June, we're going to get the assignments and yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get them this year in June compared to last, this year, season where, what was it, July? We kept thinking, oh, we're getting them this week. Oh, they should be coming this week. And then it was like July. So hopefully we will get them in June this time and not have to wait a little longer. Well, there was a lot of scrambling going around because two locations were taken off the rotation. And so they had to make arrangements for them. And they couldn't announce who was going to be competing until... They knew where it was. Although sometimes I wish that they had just done it anyway and randomly listed it as, you know, Grand Prix number whatever, location TBA. They didn't They didn't want to do that, I guess. Um, but the ISU Council has allotted the fifth Grand Prix event to Aspa Finland, which is great. <laughs> Finland is always quick to step up, much like Tallinn, Estonia, although I... I feel like Tallinn is so burned out from filling in that they they might need a couple of seasons to catch up. Um, so that is going to be Grand Prix number five. Mateo's cool. happy about that uh, one. I MD. saw a little yeah, look, excitement there. And they, they're always great at delivering these events. And they had three this year, if you think about it, at Espo. They had Finlandia Trophy, Grand Prix of Espo, and European Championship. So... Yeah, they're coming out from a strong yeah. year, year, and I'm glad that they're back again in the next season. I think they're becoming very dependable for the ISU to go to them because they do such a great job of putting on the event. There's so much more than just, well, here's the ice and here, you know, the skaters come in and, and judges sit here or whatever. There's so much more that goes into holding a competition and they seem to be very detail oriented when it comes to how to hold the, the competition. So we have usually Skate America, Skate Canada, the Grand Prix de France, Cup of China, Grand Prix Espa, NHK Trophy, and the Grand Prix Final. So you will note I mentioned Cup of China. Right now there is a Cup of China planned to be in Chongqing and Beijing is going to host the Grand Prix final on December 7th through the 10th. I am not sure, given the past couple of seasons, how China has backed out of holding competitions and how few competitors they have sent out at these competitions. I'm not sure about Beijing hosting the Grand Prix final. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I'm just, you know, two events. I'm hoping they're going to be able to do two events. I know some people were disappointed, especially the people who got to go to the Grand Prix in Sheffield, that Sheffield was left off um, because they did such a great job hosting the event this year. Um, so I'm just hoping China's going to be able to do both events. Um, and I think if they're not able to do both, they're going to not do Cup of China and they'll keep the final in Beijing. Um, 
But yeah, just given their track record the past couple of seasons and not either not being able to host or and not being not sending out their skaters, I'm a little leery on like, are they going to be able to pull off two events in the great? Yeah, let's say that we need stability. And it's not just us, but it's mainly the skaters that need stability. So let's hope that we have a stable season with no changes, no last minute changes of assignments and things like that. But they can all plan exactly. and do what they have to do in a calm and in a reasonable way. Yes. So let's transition to our recent articles and interviews. There's not a lot out there right now. It's been kind of quiet. Most of the... Yeah, most of the articles have been about world championships. So but yeah, there, there were one or two. Yeah, so there were just a few we want to mention. Again, a lot of everything that's out there is all about worlds, so you can definitely catch up on worlds um with from all of the articles that are out there, but the one that I um saw Golden Skate did an article with about the World Junior Pairs champs caught in the age conundrum that we've been talking about. Um, So that was an interesting read to hear what could possibly happen with that and what the ISU is thinking about doing Um, for teams like um, Sophia Barham and Daniel Tumensev, as well as the Japanese team um, that have where they will um, age out of juniors, but they're too young to compete at senior. Yeah, and all three of those teams, because there's also a German pair, were formed, I believe, before this age uh, change was announced. Oh, and, um, well, Gina, a couple of folks have joined us in the podcasting realm. Ashley Wagner and Adam Rippon started a podcast called The Run Through. Their first episode was a world's preview, and it's available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll link to it in our show notes. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'd love to have Ashley and Adam on sometime to talk about what their foray into the podcasting world is is like. I know Adam does another podcast that's not about skating. But it'd be really fun, you know, just to to hear what they have to say, because podcasting is an adventure all its own. And this is at, uh, this is Mateo's first podcast, yeah, podcasting with us. So and it, it's actually <laughs> yeah. funny. So I was looking for um, Adam and Ashley's podcast today, and I remember searching for it, and I didn't immediately click that the first choice that came up was them, because they have a photo of the two of them. Very young. I don't know whether you saw that, <laughs> but it's such a great mm-hmm. photo. So you yes. Like, yes. yeah. Who's these two? And then I look at it and I'm yes. like, oh, it's them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did listen to it and it is delightful. It is just so Ashley and Adam. So um, <laughs> I people were really enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to hearing more episodes with them and and maybe this is their way of saying, "Hey, look, NBC, make us the commentators now." I, I, you know, I, I know, um, you know, everybody has been saying they would make a great d- duo for commentating. So maybe this is their way of saying, "Hey, look, <laughs> you include us." We, you know, um, Ashley has done um, some commentating, and I believe Adam has as well. Now we just need to get them together to do it. So. 
Well, moving on to our social media updates. Um, now, this was not a surprise to me, but it might have been a surprise to others. But Team USA's single skater Gabriella Izzo announced on Instagram that she is going to be focusing on pair skating going forward. Uh, she worked with Chris Kinnear um, in Chicago during her spring break to strengthen her pair skills. I had been hearing some things that she may be considering pairs, so she officially she made it official um, that she will be focusing on pairs going forward and now is in the process of trying to find a partner. Well, Ireland, Samuel McAllister has announced via Instagram, re- uh, via an Instagram reel, that he is retiring from competitive skating. He will stay in the sport as a coach and is working with his mom. We wish him the best in his retirement. U.S. Figure Skating posted on social media congratulating Hall of Fame member Vera Wang for being named a National Medal of Honor honoree. And then Audrey Shin announced her short program music. She's going to be skating to the Pina soundtrack. She posted this on Twitter. And she's announced both programs now because we mentioned that she announced her free skate as well. So she is ready to go. Yes. Alexandra Stepanova and Ivan Bukin have left their longtime coaches, Zook and Zvinin, and they are now going to be training with Alexander Julin. They posted a message on their Instagram thanking their previous coaches for everything that they have done. They were with them for such a long time. That team's been together for a really long time as well. But uh, yeah, they're moving on to train with Alexander Julin. Well, Johnny Weir posted on his social media that he is opening the Johnny Weir Skating Academy coming this year. Um, And he is hoping to start a career as a coach and a choreographer and that more information will be coming soon. So this is interesting because we just think Johnny is the commentator, but now Johnny wants to um, give back as a coach and a choreographer. So it'll be interesting to see if he will be able to still do both. Um, We know Tanith has given up the commentating because she has a skating academy. So we'll have to see. This is exciting. We'll have to see what Johnny is planning to um, do. And this is great. I think a lot of skaters will want to go and work with Johnny, definitely. I'm interested if he decides to choreograph outside of singles, because I think Johnny has a unique point of view in general. I remember a trio's number that he did with Melissa Gregory and Dennis Petrikoff. Not long, I think it was after the 9-11 tragedy in New York. And it was a beautiful piece, and I know he was involved in that. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. as to what he's going to bring to the table. I think it could be interesting. And and, uh, he's very avant-garde, so I look for programs to take that kind, have that kind of look. Yeah, definitely. So, moving on to upcoming events for this week. Synchro Worlds in Lake Class in New York. Gina will be on her way at the end of the week. Yes. Weather weather, permitting. No, weather is looking good. It's looking like I'm just going to have to deal with some rain, maybe some wet snow showers. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I can't handle. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to 
head to Lake Placid on Friday. Yeah. Jada, I can't wait for updated photos of what <laughs> things look like in the venue so I can get ready to go back. Oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll share them in the chat. Don't worry. Good. I'm excited <laughs> for that. Well, the reigning world champions, Les Supreme from Canada, are looking to defend their title. They're going to face stiff competition from, well, Finland, which is the home of great synchro skating, Marigold Ice Unity, and the Helsinki Rockets. They were last year's silver and bronze medalists. Canada's Nexus, who finished fourth last year, look forward to their first world medal since 2017. I believe it was their junior team that won junior worlds this year. And the Hayden Nats look to get on the world podium for the first time since 2016. And the last time Miami University medaled at Worlds was 2007. They finished 5th and 6th last year. A total of 23 teams will compete inside the Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid. Oh, Gina, this was supposed to be held in 2020, wasn't it? Yep, and I was supposed to go, and I'm so excited to be getting to go um, later this week. Um, I'm looking forward to attending my first synchro competition in person so this is exciting i went to the u.s championships when they were in portland in 2009 it was a lot of fun we had just i think redone the arena or they were going to redo the arena and it was cool to see like george rosano like people (laughs) i don't normally see in the skating world in my hometown it's like a mix of two parts (laughs) of my world that i'm not used to so it was kind of like well, this is, yeah, you're not, what, what are you here? You're here? Like, it just seemed a little bit strange. So the last time this event was held in the U.S. was in Colorado Springs in 2017. I hope you have a great time at Synchro Worlds oh, next week, you. Gina. And we will be talking about it on the next episode of this podcast. Yep, yep. As soon as I get home, I believe we will be doing our weekly podcast, so... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts from getting to be in person at this competition. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, we've reached the end of our planned content, much like you would find in a figure skating competition. We have our own planned content like the skaters <laughs> do. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? You can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com, social media, Twitter, at this WK in skating, Facebook and Instagram this week in skating. We love your feedback or your questions. Um, let us know what you thought of worlds. Um, if, or if you're heading to world synchros, let me know. I'd love to uh, meet you. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media, or you can email us at this at gmail.com. We appreciate all the support that we've received via email and social media. And sometimes in person when we're at a competition um our one year anniversary is going to be coming up and gina and i are putting together some potential giveaways to celebrate that achievement as we reach the one year mark but we did get some feedback gina on our vincent interview yeah so remy chan and i don't know if i said that right but hopefully i did on twitter said thank you for this interview i appreciate vincent's honesty courage and openness it was great um, they also shared um, that Vincent's interview was great. Skating school is a great idea. Um, so, yeah, 
um it was that was cool to hear um that he would like to eventually do that once he's done with school um jamie rosin on twitter said really enjoyed it thank you for asking such insightful questions and skating scores on twitter very interesting interview with a thoughtful vincent joe so i'm glad you guys all enjoyed our interview with vincent just as much as we enjoyed talking with him well, we like to end our podcast with a little spotlight on what's going on at our respective websites. World Coverage Palooza is going to be going on at IDC this week. Also, in case you missed it last week, just in time for Worlds, we had a preview as well as two interviews that Mateo did. One with Ignateva and Zemko of Hungary. And the other was with the Georgians, uh, Kazakova and Revia. So you should check those out over at IDC. Photos and more are coming soon. Robin had a very challenging week, but she did get through it. But we're just a little bit behind on photos. Yeah. Gina, what's going on over at FSO? Um, Worlds? <laughs> Worlds <laughs> coverage, yes. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to Javi Rea. And if you guys Absolutely. know who he is, uh, he is a 2014 Olympian from Spain. He was at the World Championships for FSO and IDC. Uh, he did a lot of social media stuff. He was busy as can be. Um, and uh, so I want to just give him a shout out. And I was so much appreciative to have him there because that helped me out a little bit so that I didn't have to feel like I had to be on Japan time while trying to also work my full-time job. So it was great having him um, there. And so, yeah, we have a whole bunch of coverage from that. And then um, by midweek, I'm going to transition over to World Synchro. So there will be a preview preview of the World Synchronized Skating Competition. And now that we've made it pretty much the end of my, of the ice dance figure skating season, I have to give a shout out to my amazing team of photographers and journalists who made it possible for us to have the coverage that we had this season. Mateo covered worlds virtually, but he also covered so many other competitions for us and allowed us to interview skaters that are international and shine a light on what they're working on and really introduce the skating world to who they are as athletes and off the ice. Um, and Calder, who did all of my U.S. coverage and was really um, just coming up with cool ideas, especially her rhythm dance. You know, what do we do with the rhythm dance series? what it's going to look like and taking away the pattern, talking to all the competitors. Um, and my photographers, uh, Robin Ritas, Melanie Haney, Danielle Earl, and a new photographer that we've been working with this season, Yuriko Suzuki, who between her and Kiss and Cry Picks, they went to so many international competitions that we don't normally get to cover. And so there are photos of teams um, at the advanced novice, novice, junior level that we hopefully will get to see someday when they're senior skaters. And I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Yeah. And ditto to some of those names, too, that help over at FSO. Obviously, Robin, definitely. But, you know, Mateo did an article 
for FSO this season. Um, and Scott, Matt Moser, Claire, um, Mara, all of my team as well, who has been working behind the scenes. Riley Smith did a lot of my, um, recaps this season. So it was great. Um, it's just great having a team of people to help. Um, cause we are so busy, you know, work running both sites and then doing a podcast. So it's nice and to working, have a team <laughs> and, and working, working full time job, working full time. I think that, pe- that people may not know. And some in the near future, Gina and I are going to probably do like an about us episode where we talk about, um, how we got into doing skating, uh, media, how, we balance everything with a regular full-time job and our other interests. I did remember one photographer I definitely have to point out. I got to see her at Nationals this year for the first time in like five years. I feel like it's been even longer, but Harumi Akabane. Uh, she does all of the uh, competitions in Japan for us, including she covered the Chris Reed Trophy, which was the first um, competition that they held, the memorial for him. It, yeah, it's just been an incredible season of of so much fun. And it's not quite over. We have a little bit left. We have the World Team Trophy. And Gina will be covering World Synchros. But the season is almost at an end. And yeah. It, it's crazy to, to think we're at that point. But a new season will be starting. And we will be getting the calendars ready. <laughs> We want to thank Mateo so much for being here to do this recap of Worlds with us. Maybe this will have to become an annual tradition. I would love that. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for all the hard work (laughs) you've done in this podcast. It's really great to have a weekly update from you and, yeah, for all the interviews you're doing as well. So thank you. And with that, we've reached the end of another great episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a great week!